Shalom, I'm Rabbi Eric. And I'm Rabbi Jonathan. And welcome to Tuesday Evening Study. Now, I know most of you, if you followed our social media or our announcements, you were expecting Abigail to be sitting next to me there. But because of uh, the bridge being out and traffic and things like that, we determined that we would not make her stress out by trying to get here in time today. But Abigail and I will be doing a video in the future that will cover all the information we were going to cover together then. But for tonight, Rabbi Jonathan is joining me and we are gonna open in prayer and then we have some announcements to make and then we'll dig into Passover and prepping for Passover. Yeah, all right. So Avina Mokino, our Father, our King Lord, we give thanks for this day and for the blessing that it is to come together and to study your word and to gain a greater understanding so that way we can live it out uh, before you and with each other uh, in community. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Passover, for the festival that it is, for the ultimate messianic meaning that it holds. Help us, Lord, to learn and to teach about it so that others will uh, gain a greater understanding about it and be able to uh, just to, to celebrate it and to really understand the profound depths uh, that it carries. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, our Passover Lamb. Amen. Amen. Uh, we want to remember to pray for Fred and Robin, for Timothy, for Miss Mabel for Cheryl and Mary Grace and for Will, who are all recovering from surgery, Rabbi David. Please remember to keep the Keys family in your prayers. Uh, Leslie passed away a few days ago. The funeral is coming up, so please pray for them, as well as all of our congregation, that they would stay healthy and well. And uh, please remember to pray for them during your regular prayer times. Okay, some announcements. Uh, a couple of these are, are pretty big. One is that Isaac and Israel Railing will be having their bar mitzvah March the 20th. So please put that in your schedule. These boys have done a great job studying and preparing, and we're looking forward to them becoming bar mitzvah here at the synagogue on March the 20th during our regular Shabbat service. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, Mom's Morning Out. So moms, if you want to uh, be able to get away for a few hours and leave your kids in supervised care, uh, just call the office, make sure they know you're coming, and drop your kids off at 9 o'clock in the morning. Java Nagila is coming up, and uh, both Java Nagila and Rosh Chodesh are on the same day at 5.30. That's this coming up Saturday. So please be there. And oh, Rabbi Wayne from Am Yisrael is going to be yeah. the special guest musician, so you won't want to miss that. VTS, the 19th through the 23rd of July, please be praying for it. Uh, the kids and volunteering. Pray for the kids at 3 o'clock. Uh, it's at half past 3. Pray for joy under the sea. So that's 3.30, not 3 o'clock. So please pray for our kids every day at that time. You do not have to be fluent in whale to volunteer for VTS. So volunteer for that. Also, also, we are in need of four volunteers to help with our nursery on Shabbat morning. If you're willing to do that, please help us out by volunteering to serve uh, so that, you know, we... A lot of times we think about, well, the moms in our congregation and, you know, that why aren't they watching things and, and so on, their kids and all that. But the reality is the biggest reason for our nursery isn't for the moms in our congregation, although we love them and we love the children. It's for the moms and dads that come that are new visitors to our congregation. If someone comes to Brit Am and it's their very first time and they have to spend the whole time in the nursery with their child, they're not going to hear anything. They're not going to be able to participate in the worship. So we need volunteers to help with our nursery, not just for our family uh, uh, in-house, but because we have so many visitors that have children, and we want them to be able to participate in the service and get a taste of what it's like to be part of Bridam family. So please, if you're able to volunteer to work in the nursery, do so. We need four people as soon as possible to sign up. We're looking for volunteers to run the Mevo, our video on Shabbat morning. We're also looking for people that are able to volunteer to drive people around to doctor's appointments and such as that during the week. If you're able to do that, you don't have to be like available every day, but if you're available, sometimes it really helps. And we're continuing to pray for all the money to come in for the facelift, the painting of the synagogue. We need about $4,000 left to pay off our, our total. So please, uh, if you're able to donate, pray, seek the Lord. If he's blessed you, please contribute toward that. And then... The Haggadahs are in for uh, this year. We're encouraging everybody to have a Seder at their home. That's what we're going to talk about this evening. But uh, the Haggadah are in. They're $6 a piece. So come get some for you and your family so you have something to follow 
during your service. And don't forget to download our app, the Britom app. It's on both the iPhone uh, marketplace and uh, our app store rather and the, the Android marketplace. So download the app. You'll have all the information about up, upcoming events. Plus we have an in-house messenger on there where you can uh, keep up with all of the things going on as well as push notifications. If we ever have a canceled service or we have something going on uh, that's special, we can let you know that it's happening. So with that said, Passover is coming up in just a few short days. Uh, it's actually about two weeks away right now. Slightly over two weeks. And uh, I'm excited about it. Passover is always one of my favorite times of the year, both with my family and with the community. We used to have a huge Passover Seder where we'd have sometimes 500 people gather together at uh, the New World Landing downtown and have a big meal together. Uh, we stopped doing that last year, actually decided to stop doing it before we knew anything about COVID because we felt it had gotten too big and it lost its intimacy. Yeah. And the Passover Seders, the actual meal was supposed to be about family and intimacy and, and sharing La Dorvador from generation to generation. So we decided we weren't going to have it last year. And then COVID came up and everybody joined us in deciding not to have Large Seders as you. We were, we were forerunners <laughs> across the country. They just joined in following our lead with that. So uh, again, this year, we're not having a huge community Seder uh, for a number of reasons. One is it lost its intimacy. Two, uh, it, it got to be very expensive for people and, and for people to have, if you have a family of five and you have to spend $30 a person to come in, plus buy clothes and all the things people do. They didn't have to buy clothes, but everybody did. So this way we, we make it so people can have an intimate time at home and they can invite their friends and neighbors that they've been sharing with the people from work and other places and express and explain Passover to them uh, the old fashioned way in your house, having a meal, sitting around the table where it's comfortable. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to go over a lot about Passover tonight. We're going to try to do it as quickly as we can, but also uh, as thoroughly as we can. Uh, the very first thing to know is that Passover is a biblical feast. It's based completely on the Bible. There are things we do at Passover that are tradition, but the, the feast itself comes right from the Bible. In Exodus chapter 12, we read the beginning of it. And Exodus 12, 14 through 20 says this, This is to be memorial for you. You are to keep it as a feast to Adonai. Throughout your generations, you are to keep it as an eternal ordinance. For seven days, you are to eat matzah. But on the first day, you must remove the chametz from your house. For whoever eats chametz from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. The first day is to be a holy assembly for you as well as the seventh day. No matter of work is to be done on those days, except what is to be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared for you. So you to observe the feast of matzah for on this very same day, I have brought your ranks out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you to observe this day throughout your generations as an eternal ordinance. During the first month, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, you are to eat matzot until the evening of the 21st day of the month. For seven days, no chametz is to be found in your house. For whoever eats chametz, that soul will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is an outsider or one who is born in the land, you are to eat no chametz in your house. You are to eat matzot. So, this is the, the beginning of the observance of Passover. Now, the Passover story begins earlier with Moses and, and going to the Pharaoh and, and all of that that's discussed in the telling of the story. But these are the commandments that this is going to happen. And it begins with Passover. Actual Passover itself is on the 14th of Nisan. It's the time between about three o'clock and five o'clock in the evening. As soon as the sun goes down, we enter into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the seven-day feast. So Passover begins just is just before sundown on the 14th. The 15th begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, there's several things that we talked about here in this passage that I want to talk about because there's questions that were sent to me. And those that are watching this, that some of the questions that you asked we're just going to answer as part of our discussion. Uh, other questions we'll actually read at the end uh, and answer them specifically. <clears throat> So as you're watching this, please pay attention to see if we hit on the things that you that you say. First of all, there are a number of things that we have to discuss just at the outset of this. And that is that there are things that are biblical mm -hmm. and there are things that are traditional. And that the things that are biblical are the things that we are commanded. For instance, we are commanded not to eat leaven or actually chametz, which is yeast, from the first day till the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. However, in the United States and, and all over the world in the diaspora, 
They have an eighth day of Passover. Now, the eighth day isn't commanded. It's a tradition. Mm-hmm. It sort of has to do with making sure we get on the right days with the calendar shifting and all that. But the reality is we're only commanded to have matzot for seven days, not eight days. So there will be some in our community and some those around the country that will observe it for the eight days, and some will do the seven days. But the requirement is for the seven days. The eighth day is extra observance. There's nothing wrong with doing it, but it's also not something that if you keep eight days that you look at someone who eats uh, chametz on the eighth day and say, oh, you sinner, you violated, because the, the eighth day is a tradition. And so I, we're going to say that a number of times today because yeah. there are multiple traditions. And, and I want to start out by saying something that I said backwards on Shabbat in, in, when I was talking about Passover in the early class and the, the foundations class. Uh, I said it backwards in my mind. I didn't even catch it until after I said it. But Ashkenazi Jews don't eat kitniot, which are uh, legumes, beans, beans, things like that, and Sephardic Jews do during Passover. So just that one difference, if you come from an Ashkenazi background, there are foods you won't eat Mm -hmm. that are perfectly acceptable in the Sephardic tradition. So as we go through this, I want people to understand that there is the biblical, And and then there's the traditional. If you follow just the biblical, you're fine. If you follow the traditional, you'll you're fine. Don't judge one as being uh, self righteous or holier than thou because you do more. And the ones that do the extra or the traditions don't look at the others and say you're not doing it right because yeah. you're not doing this. Yeah. So so that's important. So as we read this, it said seven days you will eat. Um, unleavened bread or, or, or matzah, and you are to not eat chametz. Now, the discussion about chametz is interesting, and we'll talk about that a little bit because it's one of our questions. And the question was, what do you get out of the house? What is it that you have to get out of the house? So I'm going to read some things here. What is chametz? Chametz technically is yeast. And technically, it's yeast, which is a living organism. Yeast is is a live thing. It's mm-hmm. it's actually alive and it's in the air and it. Uh, I was going to say infects, but it affects uh, things around it. Things around it and it causes the rising of of bread and all. But so so when we look at ingredients, there's the the minimum standard is yeast. Mm-hmm. If it has actual live yeast or the re- results of live yeast like bread and stuff, then that's there. It's a no brainer. You're yeah. not supposed to have that in the house. But then there are those that look further for things like yeast extract or uh, uh, baking powder, baking soda, citric acid, uh, and and so on. There are beer. People don't pay attention. Of course, in our community, beer is not a problem. <laughs> but in some communities, people drink a lot of that stuff. Yes. And people don't pay attention to the fact that there's there's uh, yeast, yeast in beer. Process, yes. Also in wine that's not kosher for Passover. Uh, so you have to pay attention to those to looking for yeast. Yeah. Now, the baking soda, baking powder, citric acid, those things, those are the things that people do that's kind of extra. It's not unimportant. It's very important to those who feel like they want to make sure that there's no confusion, there's yeah. nothing in there. And so, but again, this is one of those things that uh, technically you just have to get the yeast out of your house. But And yeast uh, extract is dead yeast, so it's not alive. Mm-hmm. And it's the living yeast that's the issue. But uh, so there'll be some in our community that'll get all the yeast out of the house. Now, one thing people don't pay attention to also that I wanted to to say is dog and cat food. You know, a lot of us have dogs and cats in our house and there'll be yeast in it. So if you're getting yeast out of the house, then you have to get it out out of the house. So so those are things that we look for. Now Uh, I know that about pet food. Yeah. So look in your pet food. Not all of it has it. Some does, some doesn't. You'll also want to look at things like uh, barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. that you know sometimes you don't think of and things like that there are other things and you can find a lot of products in the store that you'll find kosher for passover and i know that coca-cola is a little controversial right now uh so <laughs> but not for passover but then. but the coca-cola for passover the, if, if you actually look on the can and it says coca-cola and it says kosher for passover that is the only time this one time a year you get actual coca-cola that was coca-cola before new coke and then coke classic came in because at the change from the regular Coke or mm. to the original Coke to new Coke, they got rid of the sugar that they used and they replaced it with the corn uh, sweetener, whatever it's called. Is it high fructose corn yeah, syrup? Yeah, and co- corn syrup. 
And then, and then when they switched from the new Coke, which everybody hated, to the Coke Classic, they didn't take that. They didn't go back to the sugar. So if you want real old-fashioned Coca-Cola, now let me say, not the oldest old-fashioned because the original Coke had yeah. actual cocaine yeah. in it, and we're not endorsing yeah, that at all. That's another problem. Another problem. Not but Passover. Related. But the, if you go and find the kosher for Passover Coca-Cola, and it's only out this time of year for just a short time. It's the actual original Coke. Now, that has had nothing to do with what we're talking about, <laughs> but it was just interesting to say. Okay, so you're going to want to clean your house. Again, you remember it said all the yeast had to be out of your house before Passover. So usually at our house, and you can tell me what you do at yours with, with your house, but at our house, Pammy starts early. We, we get yeah. all, because we don't like to throw things away. We really feel like if we bought it. You should eat it. You should eat it. You don't throw it away. And I don't feel like, it's, I know Jewish tradition says you can sell it to your neighbor yeah. or you can, but that's like if I was doing drugs and I came to the Lord and I said, I'm not going to do any drugs anymore. But so here's my, here's my dope. So I'm going to sell it to my next door neighbor because I'm not going to sin anymore or have that, but I'll, but he's, he's yeah. going to sin anyhow. So what difference does it make? So I kind of feel that way about it. Yeah. So pay me what she does is early. She goes into the cupboard. She pulls out all of the stuff that's that's not kosher for Passover, puts it on our table, and then we start whittling it through. And if it looks like we're not going to be able to get rid of it, you know, a week or so before Passover, then we'll give it to people so they can eat it the yeah. week before mm -hmm. to get to get rid of it. So you'll want to clean out your cupboards. Cupboards is another way to say cabinets and uh, or uh, storage rooms yeah. or or uh, Pantry. pantries yeah. and go through all of that and take the time to do it. You're going to sweep your floors. You're going to, uh, if you're able to clean out your stove, pull the stove out, clean out your uh, toaster. Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things go through the, the whole kitchen. If you have other rooms that you keep food in, uh, like a, uh, a butler pantry or something like that, you'll want to go through all that. Uh, make sure you get your burners cleaned out. Make sure, and a lot of people Look at this and say, oh, that's overkill. You don't have to do it. And listen, if, if you, you choose not to do it, it's up to you not to do it. But if you want to do it right, then you go through and you get all the yeast and all the crumbs. And, and, and now remember also that when you're cleaning it out, you want to save a little bit of the crumbs for when you search for the leaven. Yeah, let the children uh, find some. Right. And then dad takes it and, and, and that'll be in the Haggadah that we'll talk about later. So remove the toaster and bread. Make sure it's clean. Uh, and if you can't get all the crumbs out, you can put your toaster out the house. Some people do that. This is the that. original spring cleaning. Right. This is where um, spring cleaning came from, is doing this, because people go through their whole house, the mm -hmm. couch. I mean, some people eat a lot on their couch. And so you have to check the couch, check the cushions, check the chairs, check in the bedroom if you eat crackers in the bedroom, yeah. things like that. So you go through the whole house, vacuum clean and all that. But start doing that early because if you try to do it the last day, you're going to wear yourself out. You'll get all upset yeah. and you won't be able to enter into Passover with the joy that it's supposed to be because it's a celebration of deliverance, not bondage. Yeah. So you don't want to feel like a slave who's going into Passover. Trying to get everything clean. Trying to get it done. Feeling right. burdened by, oh, I'm going to find stuff for sure because I haven't been cleaning. So go ahead and just start cleaning early enough. Right. And then also you're going to want to shop for Passover. Now, I know some of our ladies went to Kosher Cajun in New Orleans, did some shopping. Also, just to let everybody know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the people from Kosher Cajun said that the Wednesday before Passover, if we send an order into them, they will drop it off at the synagogue so that uh, you can pick up what you need there. So you can go on their website, Kosher Cajun, and look up what they have and if you want to order from there. But you can also get a lot of things now locally. Publix has yeah. kosher for Passover stuff. Uh, Walmart has kosher for Passover stuff. Remember, get matzah so that you have plenty of matzah for mm -hmm. your family uh, and all that. So you, you'll want to get those things. But you can look on the package and it'll say kosher pa for Passover. And, and especially the matzah, people are like, well, it's unleavened bread. What It doesn't say kosher for Passover. What uh, If it yeah. does say kosher for Passover, it's not kosher for Passover. And uh, so also I happen to like best the gluten-free. Now, I don't eat gluten-free, but I love the gluten-free. I think they taste better. Egg and onion matzah. It's like the best thing. So just look around. You'll find macaroons. You'll find all kinds of things there. And don't forget the gefilte fish. You need gefilte fish. For those that aren't unfamiliar with gefilte fish, gefilte fish is a wonderful, delicious Jewish delicacy. Uh, it's, it's fish. That's the, the easiest way to say it's 
Jewish spam made from fish. We're using the word delicacy as a I love it. Bizarre and if you and can strange. find somebody, if you can find somebody from Europe, a nice uh, Baba Misa, a nice old Jewish woman who can make homemade gefilte fish. Oi, so good. <laughs> so anyhow, so look at the store. You'll find it. They usually have end caps and, and stuff you can find. Uh, some different ideas you can make because people are like, what can I make? You, my wife makes matzo pizza. And we eat matzo pizza all year long. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, PB&J on it. Matzo lasagna is good. Matzo brittle is good. And we're going to have some, we call it matzo crack, mm -hmm. uh, which we have a recipe that we're going to put on the website that you can get a matzo ball soup. Matzo tuna salad, chicken salad. There's all kinds of things you can make with matzo. You can make meatloaf using matzo in the in it. So there's lots of ways to use matzo. And remember, one of the commandments for keeping Passover is eating matzo. Yeah. So you actually, it's a positive commandment that you are told you have to eat matzo. And it says you have to eat it for seven days. So that means you have to eat at least some matzo every day for seven days in order to yeah. fulfill. And what I like to do feast. is... Uh, when I used to work in carpentry, I would be out all day working. So I would come home, and right before sunsets, I would uh, say a blessing over at least one sheet of matzah bread and then eat and partake and having fulfilled that mitzvah of eating matzah. Okay, so I want to read a few more verses. In Exodus 13, it says, in uh, 3 through 10, Moses said to the people, Remember this day on which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by a strong hand, Adonai brought you out from this place, no chametz is to be eaten this day in the month of Aviv. You are to go out now. Aviv and um, Nisan, same month. Uh, just different names, names for it. Uh, you are to go out when Adonai brings you into the land, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which you swore to your fathers to give a land full of flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this service during the month. For seven days eat matzah, and the seventh day is to be a feast to Adonai. Matzah is to be eaten throughout the seven days, and no chametz is to be seen among you, nor within your borders. You are to tell your son on that day, it is because of what Adonai did for me when I came out of Egypt. So it will be a sign on your hand and a reminder between your eyes, so that the Torah of Adonai may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, Adonai has brought you out of Egypt. You are to keep this ordinance as a moed or an appointed time uh, from year to year. Now, I want to say that if you listened in that, it actually said if you keep Passover, it says if... You were laying to fill in. Now, it's not a replacement for it, uh, but it, it is a spiritual way to accomplish the same thing that's accomplished by laying to fill in. Yeah. And of course, I believe there's an argument about that, too. Of course, there's an argument about everything. So Exodus 23, 14 through 15, three times a year to observe a year to celebrate a feast for me. You're to observe the feast of matzah for seven days. You'll eat matzah as I commanded you. At the appointed time in the month of Aviv, that is when you came out of Egypt, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. So there is an offering that was to be given. Now, we don't, you know, I always get kind of cringy oh. when I get to these things because I've seen, you know, finances so abused by leaders in different places. Uh, but this is a commandment of Adonai that says mm -hmm. you're supposed to give a special Pesach offering. Now we know that in, in ancient days you were supposed to bring the lamb. Mm -hmm. We don't bring a lamb anymore. We'll talk a little more about that later. But it is something that, you know, when, when Daniel was in Babylon, he did everything he could do. And then he did those things symbolically. For instance, he couldn't make the sacrifice at the temple. So mm -hmm. he went and prayed at the time of the sacrifice. Now there wasn't a way to give an offering and all there. So he didn't do that. But those of us that are here, we can't go to Israel and make the sacrifice. There's no temple, there's no priesthood, and, and so on. But you can make an offering, a symbolic gesture of an offering unto the Lord. So we encourage you, whether you're at Bridam or wherever your synagogue or your congregation is, give a special offering for Passover because the Lord says, don't let anybody come empty-handed. It doesn't yeah. have to be, I'm not talking about thousands and thousands of dollars, although if you want to. Yeah. But I am saying that there has to be a symbolic gesture yeah. of showing that you're giving a sacrifice to and the Lord. And would this be a question of an offering similar to a tithe offering, or could you just give it to charity? You, this would, again, and this is something that's important for people to remember. Um, there are two different ways to give, but largely the scripture teaches to give to your storehouse, to your uh, ministry, and then the ministry then gives beyond that. Mm -hmm. So uh, now you can give directly to other things, and we're not telling you not to. But biblically, they would bring 
the the money and the the uh, harvest and all to the storehouse to where the Levites were. And then the Levites would then distribute it to the poor, mm -hmm. to the needy, to others, and, and send it out from there. And uh, even when Paul is teaching in the Brit Kadashaya says, I took up offerings from all these communities to bring it back to, uh, to where we were going so it can be distributed to the community. Uh, this helps with accountability, mm -hmm. it, not only for the person giving, but the person receiving. And it makes it so somebody can't be going from one place to the next place to the next place because they're getting, you know, we've had people that have come to our congregation who would come up and they'd say, hey, Jonathan, uh, I'm having a hard time. Could I get 20 bucks? And then so, oh, you feel bad, so you give them 20 bucks. And then they go to somebody else and they go, hey, Joe, uh, I'm having a hard time. Can I get 20 bucks? And by the yeah. time they go to everybody in the congregation, they've collected, you know, a grand and then they're off, they go somewhere else. So in order to keep that from happening and have accountability both directions, giving it to the congregation, to the ministry that you trust. Don't If you don't trust people to do what's right, don't give to them. Yeah. Find people that you trust and then give it through that way. Uh, and uh, that way there's accountability. And even if like we have a number of people that give through our congregation, they say, I want to give this to um, Chosen People's Ministry. Or I want to give this to Jewish Voice Ministry. I want to give this to Reach Initiative International. Uh, and so they give it to the congregation and we write a check directly too. And again, that gives accountability in, in those directions. And yet the money still goes 100% of it to the the organization, but it's accountability going through yeah. in, in what's going on. So uh, Leviticus 23, which happens to be uh, where you were turned to just a minute ago. Uh, this is the listing of the appointed times of the Lord. And it says, speak to B'nai Israel and tell them these are the appointed Moedim of Adonai. You are to proclaim to be a holy convocation, my Moedim. And again, then it goes on to, these are the appointed feasts of Adonai, holy convocations. You are to proclaim at their appointed season. During the first month, the 14th day of the month, and evening is Adonai's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month, the Feast of Matzah, to Adonai for seven days, you're to eat Matzah. On the first day, you're to have a holy convocation, and you shall do no regular work. Instead, you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation when you do no regular work. Now, Again, we're coming up. This is a unique um, time for us because this year we actually have um, Passover, the first day of uh, the day we would have our Seder, mm -hmm. which is the 14th going on to the 15th. It happens to be on uh, Shabbat. Yeah. And so somebody asked the question, how do we keep this uh, from being this done? It's a Shabbat. How do we do the extra stuff that we have to yeah. do to have a Passover Seder? Because there's a lot of preparation right. and getting ready for a meal. You've got to prepare, you know, uh, whatever meat you're having, whether that's chicken or lamb, which is another question, right. actually. Um, you know, making sure that you have all the things and you've bought them. And so you're not doing that on Shabbat. Right. So let me read from the scripture and we'll we'll deal with uh, things going on. Further. And again, we, we use the scripture as our foundation. This is our, our, our point. It says this. The first day is to be a holy assembly for you as well as the seventh day. No matter of work is to be done on those except what is to be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. Mm -hmm. So the scripture says you're not supposed to do regular work, but you can prepare the food that is going to be eaten during the Seder. So you're not wanting to prepare for two days down the road or whatever, mm -hmm. but you can prepare your food for the Seder on the Shabbat, because mm -hmm. it falls on that first day. So we're, we're told we can do this by the scripture. Now, I want to say at the same time, at least at my house, what my wife will be doing is pre-doing everything she can so that on the actual day, she can honor as much as she can. She's not going to wait till the last minute yeah. and on Shabbat try to do everything. But she is going to pre, like she'll pre-cook our, our lamb and she'll mm -hmm. pre-cook the things and, and have it to where she can just put it in the crock pot and heat it up so it's warm uh, for the service. But understand that there's no prohibition against making the food for your Passover Seder. That's, that was a big question. We had it from a number of people. that, But it specifically says, no manner of work is to be done on those days except what is to be eaten by every person. So the meal for the Passover Seder, because it's a commanded feast and God knows that every so many years, these days are going to fall on yeah. Shabbats. 
uh, we we have the ability to do that to prepare to prepare because he's not going to command us to do something that he's commanded us we're not allowed to do. Yes. So so that's important and and that's something that we uh, we need to uh, to make sure that is clear in in everybody's mind. Uh, I so one question that came in was. I'll let you answer this one first because I've talked a lot. Uh, one question that came in was, "What happens if you don't do this? You know, it, you know, maybe you know I'm a, a Jewish person, but I don't think Passover is all that important anymore. After all, it was way back then. We, you know, can I? I'm a believer, but you know, I just don't think that whole get all the yeast out of your house stuff is yeah. important anymore. Or maybe you're a non-Jewish person, and somebody has told you, oh, that's just for Jewish people." You're a non-Jewish person. You're in Messiah. You don't have to do anything anymore. So what what would your response yeah. be to if you, someone that asked that question? If you don't keep Passover, um, you don't keep Passover. And, you know, because God, God is ultimately the one who will, you know, judge what, you know, if you did right or did not do right based on what you understood and knew. And so uh, if you don't do Passover, you don't do Passover. That's, you know, we're, no one's going to sit here at Bradham and say, and judge you for not keeping Passover. Yeah, we got rid of our kosher police a long time ago. Yeah. So we don't have a, a troop that's going around peeking in people's windows to make sure they're abiding by the commandments yeah. and mitzvot. They're too expensive to employ. There, there's two thoughts that I have in, in answering this. One is, thank God I'm not in charge of what happens to people if they don't do something that God says. Yeah. God's the eternal judge. He's the only one. It, but yeah. let me say, in saying that, if you're asking the question, what happens if I don't do this? It's a real strong impression that you're being convicted to by the it. Spirit to even have this conversation. Yep. and do. So if, you, if God is convicting you about something, if you're, oh, what happens if I don't? I've never found anybody who said, what happens if I don't do this that didn't know, hadn't already determined <laughs> what was right, yeah. and now they're trying to find out how much trouble do I get in if I do something yep. wrong? It's like I always tell people, if I have to wrestle with something in my head more than a couple times and ask it more than a couple times, I probably already know the answer. I just don't like the answer. Yeah, it reminds me of when my kids would come out from their room and say, can I wear this today? If they knew, if it was something they knew they could wear, they wouldn't be asking the question. So what they're asking is, can I get away with this? Yep. And uh, so, and that's really what people are asking uh, sometimes. Yeah. Now, there's some people who are just asking the question, "What happens if this doesn't?" You know, they just yeah. don't know. But most people that are asking that question, they're 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 they know they've it. thought about it, and they're just yeah. trying to find out. You know, how bad is this? You know, when I was a kid, I knew there were certain things that I did that I was going to get a spanking for. Yeah. And, and I would weigh it out. Okay, yeah. this is worth a spanking. Yeah. I'm going to go. You wanted to know to what degree the spanking. To was what degree be. it was going to be right. So all those things. The, the other thing is this, that uh, I've had people say, will I go to hell for not keeping Passover? And my general response is kind of half uh, jokingly, but saying is, look, not keeping Passover isn't going to be the reason you don't go to hell. I'll go to heaven. You know, if, if it's, these are these are people that are questioning, well, you know, well, if I don't obey God, what's going to happen? Well, if you don't obey God, you'll have to discuss that with him. But but generally it's not keeping one of the feasts that's going to keep us from heaven. It's the rest of the things in our heart that's yeah. keeping us from keeping the feast yeah. uh, the right way. Yeah. And sometimes the wrong, the, the the poor attitude in the heart can sometimes be the uh, birthplace of the questions of how much do I have to do? And that's often what, we're in, often what we run into with those questions. Right. And so I also wanted to let everybody know in, in preparation and what we're talking about, we talked about preparing your home, we've talked about shopping, we've talked about uh, some of those things. Uh, understand that Passover can be as simple or complex as you want it to be. In other words, uh, on your seder, you're going to have a uh, at your seder, you're going to have a plate, and on the plate, you're going to have some kharoset, which is a mixture of apples and honey and raisins and and other things. Maybe some wine and, and a little bit of wine in there, and you'll have some horseradish. Mm -hmm. The hotter, the better. And you're going to have uh, a, a shank bone or yeah. a chicken bone. Bitter herbs. You're going to have bitter herbs. So you'll have onion or um, or, or uh, something like that uh, in, in that realm. Or lettuce mm -hmm. sometimes uses bitter herbs. And you'll have parsley represent uh, to the represent the hyssop. So you'll have that. Now, you can have a, like my brother sent uh, my, us when we were, when we first started being messianic. You know, I went, most people that watch this, some of them know, some don't, but... 
I was raised in a traditional Jewish home, mm-hmm. and then I became a believer. And when I became a believer, I was told by other believers, you don't have to do this stuff anymore. So yeah. I kind of went in the wilderness for a little while, and then I came back to Judaism as a Messianic Jew. Uh, the Lord really touched my heart about refinding my Judaism. And so when that happened, my oldest brother uh, sent Pammy and I this wonderfully beautiful Seder plate and matzah plate and all from Israel, which... Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of high dollar stuff. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have all that. You can have a paper plate with the items on it. You can have a plastic. You can yeah. go online and find plastic Seder plates that you can use that you can wash off and use for years if yeah. you take care of them. So it's not a matter of having all the fancy stuff. It's a matter of knowing why we're doing the traditions mm-hmm. and how we tell the story. So uh, so you'll need a Seder plate. Uh, you'll need some glasses to have your, your wine or grape juice in. You'll need a plate to put your matzah on. You'll need little you know, plates for people to eat their dinner. And you have your Seder and tell your Seder while you're having your meal. So that you'll have soup in the beginning and if you're mm-hmm. having soup and then you go through the whole thing. Because it's a meal that you eat with your family while telling the story yeah. of Passover. It's not just reading through a book and right. then eating. Right. And so uh, he mentioned a book. There's this book and we're, we've got these for our synagogue and it's called the Passover Trilogy Messianic Haggadah. It was put together by... Messianic Rabbi Jan Rosenberg, a good friend of mine who's in New Jersey, and you can order your own by going to his uh, his website and, and getting them, and you can probably get them still in time for your Seder if you order them now. Yeah. But I, I want you to notice it's only this thick, okay? So this is not designed to be an exhaustive uh, thing. The Haggadahs that we used growing up were much, much thicker and had much, much more reading and stuff in there. But it kind of goes through everything so it's, it tells you why the trilogy, and it's because they, he covers not only the biblical story, he covers the traditional, what, mm-hmm. what all Jews all over the world are doing, and then he brings in Messiah along with it. And he goes through preparing for the Passover, and he's got a glossary, and he tells you you know, all the things you need for your table, and he's got the blessing for the candles, and karpas, and urchats, and yachats, and all the different blessings, the four questions, and all that. So it's really easy to follow. All you have to do is turn page to page to page and you can follow this along with your family and you can get do everything in it or you can do some of the things in it. Uh, And again, the only things that are commanded for Passover uh, is uh, the lamb, which we can't have right now, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, or we can't sacrifice the lamb, uh, matzah, and bitter herbs. Everything else is tradition. It's the, the the symbolisms that we use to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but all, so you can do this stuff in and to a great extent, all of it. You can do some of it. You can do, yeah. you know. So it's really simple to follow. We recommend everybody if you're not at our congregation, go on Rabbi Jan's website and pick this up. Uh, let me see if I can find his website. And I believe we still have a good number. Tova of Publications is is how he published it, and it's bethzion.org forward slash and I'll get them to put that on the, the video in the tag thing on the bottom of the, the thing. So so we have our Haggadah, which tells the story. And Haggadah is, is this book. And Seder, just so people know, Seder just means the order. The Haggadah gives the Seder. Uh, the Seder is a meal that's done in order. It just gives us the order. And, uh, and, and Haggadah is the telling of the story, the telling of what happened. Uh, so why not the lamb? Why don't we kill the lamb? And I'll tell you why. Uh, from the Bible, it says in Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 8, Observe the month of Aviv and keep the Passover to Adonai your God. In the month of Aviv, Adonai your God brought you out from Egypt by night. You were to sacrifice the Passover offering to Adonai your God from the flock and the herd in the place that Adonai chooses to make his name. Well, you are not to eat chametz with it. For seven days you are to eat matzah with it, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt, hey, do this so that in the days of your life, you will remember the day that you came out of the land of Egypt. No chametz should be seen uh, in you in the territory for seven days. None in the meat you sacrifice in the evening of the first day may be left over. You may not sacrifice the Passover offering within any of your gates that Adonai has given you. Rather, at the place that Adonai your God chooses to make his name dwell, there you will sacrifice the Passover offering at evening. So the scripture commands us pointedly, make the sacrifice offering, but only make it at the place where he put his name. So then people say, well, where is that? 
So I'm going to give a couple of scriptures here uh, from, from the Bible because we get our answers from the Bible. Second yeah. Chronicles 6, 6. But I've chosen Jerusalem that my name would abide there and I've chosen David to be over my people Israel. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Now, for now I have chosen and consecrated this house so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Let's talk about Jerusalem. And the temple there. And perpetually means forever. Forever. And then 1 Kings 14, 21. Meanwhile, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, reigned in Jew. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem, reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city where Adonai had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name. His mother's name was Nama and the Ammonites. And then 2 Kings 21, 4. He even built order altars in Adonai's house, where Adonai said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. Now, 2 Kings, where it's talking about there, is the Peyton uh, mm-hmm. offerings that were being given and how they were even offering them in Jerusalem, in the temple, where Adonai, where Adonai put his name. There's many more verses that say this, but the point is that the Scripture clearly tells us that Jerusalem, and only Jerusalem, yeah. is where he put his name and that it is perpetually yeah. put there and i think that last verse is even more telling in that even though they're making pagan sacrifices in jerusalem it's the Lord still the place it's still his place right so it's important to note uh that and and how we go uh people will talk more about it we'll have about passover later on well in chronicles we see uh, hezekiah reestablishes passover and kings it goes mm-hmm. on again in chronicles it talks about it ezra and nehemiah when they come back they celebrate passover again so, so that's going on. And then when we get to the Baruch HaRashah, we have in the book of John, uh, chapter 11, it says, now the Jewish Passover was near. They're still doing it in the Baruch HaRashah. In 1 Corinthians, talking about Passover, it says, your boasting is no good. Don't you know that a little chametz or a little yeast leavens the whole dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may have do. Just as you are unleavened for Messiah, our Passover lamb is a sacrifice. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old chametz, chametz of malice and weakness, but with unleavened bread, matzah of sincerity and truth. Hebrews tells us that he kept, by faith he kept the Passover with the smearing of blood, the destroyer of the firstborn, not to touch him. So there's, all through the Brit we see references to Passover uh, again, so it's continuing to be kept by the believers mm-hmm. uh, even after the death of Messiah. So so that's important to, to note as we talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to look up a couple of the questions that we had. Uh, think, that may not have been answered yet. Yeah, and as we prepare for Passover practically, like cleaning out our homes, you know, one of the things that, you know, Haggadahs will, especially Messianic Haggadahs will remind you of is that we're it's supposed to be a time of preparing our hearts. We're, you know, cleaning out the, the chametz, the leaven, uh, you know, the hypocrisy, sin in our hearts and examining ourselves uh, in preparation to celebrate uh, the Passover, um, much like we do when we come up on Yom Kippur. But, I mean, not with the anticipation of fasting, but with the anticipation of rejoicing Absolutely. in Yeshua. Okay, so here are some of the questions, and we've answered some of these, but I'm going to read. It says, who celebrates Passover? The answer to that is all Israel. And again, when we talk about Israel in the in the context of the Brit Kadashah, that's the grafted in wild branches and the grafted mm-hmm. in and the natural branches together uh, make up the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, what is Passover? It's a celebration of the deliverance of Israel. It's also for you and I, people that are Messianic, a commemoration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah, which happens at the same time. Uh, where was Passover originated? In Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then surprisingly, Passover is not kept for most of the time the children of Israel are in the wilderness. And it's only when they go into the promised land again that Joshua then has to circumcise all of the babies that weren't circumcised during that period of time, the boys, mm-hmm. uh, and then celebrate Passover because Israel had not celebrated Passover during their time in the wilderness. So so that's the initiation of it. How do I apply the historical event to my spiritual growth of celebrating Passover? For me, it's about Messiah. Yeah. It's about the focus of Messiah. It's about the timing of it. It's about the death, burial, resurrection, the fulfillment of Passover in, in how it does and and again, if, as you go through the Messianic Haggadah or whichever Haggadah you use, if, if it's Messianic, it's going to lead you through all the symbolisms and beauty of, of the different aspects of the and, Seder. 
you know, and it's a, a way of aligning with it, becoming part of the Jewish people, especially for those of us who are Gentiles, because coming alongside, coming with, alongside, yeah. because, you know, uh, you know, and the, the Haggadah says and, you know, and tradition teaches in Judaism that, you know, when you celebrate Passover, you are supposed to believe that you were actually set free from Egypt by celebrating this Passover, that you had a personal stake in this. Celebration. Right. And people sometimes will say, well, that's for Jews. But the truth is, when the first group of people exited Egypt, mm -hmm. it was the Israelites or the Jewish people, the Hebrews and the mixed multitude yeah. that came out together and all participated in Passover. So there, it's not just a Jewish thing. So and that was uh, the next question was, is Passover just a Jewish tradition or commanded to be kept? It is commanded to be kept by God. Why must yeast products or products with yeast be removed from the home? Yeast is a symbol of sin. Yeast is not sin. Yes. It's, it's interesting, and we go through this every year, because we clean our house out of sin, and then immediately afterwards we go out and buy... Krispy Kreme. Yeah, Krispy Kreme or something <laughs> with yeast in it. Because, But yeast isn't a sin. Old mm -hmm. yeast... Yeast that's gone bad, yeast that's turned, yeast that isn't any good, yeast that doesn't yeah. have its function anymore. Again, in ancient times, they didn't have packets of Fleischmann's yeast that you went to the store for. Yeah. You had starter. You used it to go on. And at the, yeah. in, in a period of time, it lost its usefulness. Uh, it would partially do and somewhat do. And so it, it's kind of like us. We get rid of the old yeast, and then God fills us with new mm -hmm. uh, in it. So yeast isn't sin. It's a symbol of sin, the Scripture says. Uh, related to Passover, what is the comparison of yeast being removed from the home and not removing at home? Is it considered sin? Uh, not removing yeast would be sin. Now, the reason I say that is because sin is transgression of God's law, and God commanded it be done, so not following a commandment is sin. Uh, if yeast is mistakenly overlooked, would this be considered sin? If you miss yeast in your house, you must immediately burn it down to the ground. Clean. No, I'm just kidding. No. The, the reality is God judges the hearts of people. And if, if it's an unintentional thing, if your heart didn't desire to sin, if it wasn't out of laziness or just not doing it, uh, then, then you just made a mistake and you just ask God to forgive you. Matter of fact, at the beginning of Passover Seder, the man of the house takes a few crumbs, puts them in the fire, burns them up, and then asks God to forgive them if there's any yeast left in the house. Mm -hmm. So so God is not this ogre waiting for you to, yeah. to do something wrong so he can go yeah. and crush you. Uh, but at the same time, he expects us to do our best in doing yeah, things. Do uh, other than yeast, the difference of unleavened bread, leavened bread, spiritually speaking, what does each represent? Uh, when you do your Seder and, and read the Haggadah, it'll explain more about that, but uh, it represents the cleansing and newness of God and mm -hmm. being sinless. Passover Seder, we told this word Seder just means the order. Uh, if believers, non-Messianic Jewish, uh, don't celebrate Passover as related to yeast, uh, what does that mean for them? We, we talked about that earlier. I'm not in charge of God's judgment on people. Uh, yeah. One way or the other, I leave that in his hands. My job as a leader, Rabbi Jonathan's job as a leader, is to teach people to do the right thing. Yeah. And how uh, to do it. And how to do it. And, and not to be like, well, what happens if this doesn't happen? That's not... Uh, stuff that I'm going to uh, to get all into. So that's up to God. He's the one that judges the heart, and he judges the heart and intent of the heart yeah. in what happens. Um, so that's those, and then we had some other questions. Let me find them real quick, and then we're going to probably wrap up for tonight and give you time to get busy doing uh, all the things in preparation that you need to do. Um Da, 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 da. Where did the other questions go? Yeah, and I actually preparing for Passover one um, of the one of the saddest preparation Passover times that I had was I had bought recently a bottle of whiskey, and I get rid of <sighs> beer and whiskey and things uh, towards Passover, and I had to dump a lot of it out, and I was very sad. Yeah, people will often give us bottles of wine for gifts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't drink wine constantly, so uh, sometimes we have to yeah. pour some of it out at, uh, before Pesach. Okay, these questions uh, came in. How is the Torah command to remove chametz best applied? Uh, we talked about that. Search for your house, get everything out you can. Uh, what to throw out, what to keep. Uh, anything that doesn't violate the commandment to have yeast. Yeah. 
you need to you can keep anything that has yeast you throw out plus anything that might have the additional elements if you feel convicted to have those out and then do you treat the seder any different when it falls on saturday night we treat it different no matter when it falls each one is unique and powerful but uh yes again uh normally if it was like a wednesday uh my wife would be preparing more of the food that wednesday and doing yeah. things this year she'll have the table all set before she'll have everything all set up she'll have all the stuff out she'll have everything ready so all she has to do is serve she'll pre-cook uh as much as she can of the meal and then just keep it warm during the day but again the scripture clearly says uh, you can you can make the food you need to for your seder on uh, passover yeah. so uh those are the things we wanted to go over with you. Again, if you haven't already got your Haggadah, get one. Uh, whether it's this one or a different one, it'll lead you through everything. If you have any other questions, you're welcome to email me or Rabbi Jonathan at the synagogue, and we'll respond to you. Uh, big thing. Uh, this isn't supposed to be overwhelming. It's not supposed to be miserable. It's not supposed to be a trial. It's not supposed to be any of those things. If we prepare our hearts and we prepare, prepare in advance, Step by step, we go through this, and it becomes this wonderful experience of dedicating ourself, our time, our family, and our home to God for this period of time, celebrating his deliverance, both the deliverance of Israel from Egypt and our deliverance from sin and shame through Messiah Yeshua. Yeah. This should not be craziness. And, and if you can't get everything, or, you know, I had a friend who ordered a Seder plate for Passover a couple of years ago when it didn't come in the mail and they were just going crazy, all upset. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, just take a plate, use the plate, put it on there, you know, yeah. and, and just make it easy, make it pleasant, make it, yeah. cause it's about our heart to God. It's not about all the fancies and frillies. Those are nice. And, yeah. and we have them and, and we love to have all the stuff out and Pammy loves to make a beautiful setting for, yeah. uh, for Seder. The last thing I want to say is Seder is supposed to be something we invite people to and welcome them into our home. Yeah. So if you have extra seats around your table, please invite people from our community, people from outside of Bridom, especially those people you've been sharing Messiah with, uh, Jewish or non-Jewish. Uh, if you have Jewish friends, invite them over, let them participate in the Seder with you and, uh, and share the love of Messiah with them. If you have non-Jewish friends, same thing. It's all about the love of Messiah. It's not about bondage. It's not about legalism. It's about joy, peace, and deliverance in Yeshua. Oh, and involve your children. That's one of my favorite things about Passover is you involve the children in searching for you know, right. things. Searching like for the afikomen. Mm -hmm. The children do the four questions. There's yeah. a story about the, the wise children and, and all that in there. It's, it's yeah. designed, the whole purpose of the meal is so that we, the older generation tells the younger generation yeah. so that they can then when they become the older generation, tell the next generation. Yeah. And, so it's really about that and yeah. involve children as much as possible. Yeah. And that's one way they can, you can tell this is not supposed to be a burdensome thing because your children are supposed to be involved and we don't ever want to right. absolutely children with. Yep. And remember, children are children until they're adults. Don't try to make them sit perfectly still at your table. It's, it's supposed to be a fun time. And, uh, and it's supposed to be preparation for our hearts mm -hmm. to prepare to leave this world. Yeah. Just as we were delivered from sin one day, Yeshua is coming back and we will be delivered from this yeah. world and he's going to create a new world to come. Amen. Thank you so much. I hope this is a blessing. Uh, if it is, share it with other people. Uh, you can go to shalompensacola.com, check out other teachings, go to our YouTube channel if you're not already subscribed there. Uh, we have a lot of other things that will be coming up to YouTube in the next little bit. So uh, check those things out. Download the app, whether it's Apple or Android. And uh, share this with your friends and neighbors. I think it will be a blessing to them. And relax and enjoy the feast. The blessed Passover. Shalom. Shalom.